So let's get this show on the road. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. <laughs> Let's uh let's drop some more heat, baby. For the go, go fire. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz, schedule your time, and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody, we're so excited and honored to bring another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. You know, regardless of the service or product, most businesses tend to start the same way. Today's guest was inspired to start her first business the same as most entrepreneurs. She saw a need, recognized that there was a market for that need, and she worked her butt off to find the solution. Our guest grew her first business, in-home applied behavioral analysis for families of children with autism from one single client to 14 nationwide locations and more than 100 employees. Since then, she sold her company for millions and has spent her time advising, mentoring, and restoring other businesses and changing the lives of those business owners. Our guest works alongside her clients to start with the end in mind, creating a strong succession plan and maximizing the value of their business while planning their exit from the business and the rat race. If you want to grow a successful company that provides you with cash flow and allows you to cash in, listen today to what our guest has to say. Joining us today from Obach Consulting out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, welcome to the show, Allison Holshaw. Woo! There we go, Ham. Great job, Allison. What do you think? Three That's minutes amazing. in. I sound like I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you have. All right. I want to know that origin story a little bit more. James talked about it. You saw a need in the market and you decided to go after it. Most people don't get past the first couple years, and yet here you are, multiple locations, hundred plus employees. Walk me through that process. What? What? Where did you step into that next level? So I think for me, it was about building a team. So we built up the entire mission was driven by access to care. So we knew families and kids were being diagnosed with autism, needing services, needing them to be high quality um, and needing funding to support that. So in our state, there was no funding available. And so we were advocates in bringing the insurance market and getting them to pay for the services. Uh, and we were really just, our, our goal was to reach out across and anywhere where services weren't provided, we wanted to be the provider. So we started in South Dakota, we moved on into Wyoming, we went into Iowa, 
kind of the states everybody had forgotten about. So our goal was to grow the clinicians, provide high quality care, and just continue to go. Um, and when I decided to do this, I was 26. I had had one child, uh, started my company, and like two weeks later, found out I was pregnant with twins. So I had three kids under three, and I was like, why not? And at that point, I had quit my job. So th there wasn't an option to fail. And so we hit the ground running. I was super fortunate. Some of the team members that I started that company with are still with the company I sold today. So I didn't do it by myself. Um, but I, I really think that when you build a strong team and everybody is aligned in the mission and the values, you can do anything. You're absolutely right. Uh, the the reason why a lot of those businesses fail is because they remain solopreneurs. They don't build a team. They think they can do it all themselves or they think that the only way to build it is by themselves because they do a good job and they're the ones who are responsible and my name's on that on that billboard or whatever it is uh, and they never build that team. You know, and the other side of that is I can't afford to build a team. Walk me through that thought process. When you were talking about building a team and you're 26 with three kids with no job, how are you paying for this? How are you making it happen? Uh, I put 500 bucks in my checking account and I lived like a popper for the first, I would say, you know, six months. Um, my first team wasn't experts. They didn't, they didn't come with massive degrees. I did go back to our first BCBAD in the state of South Dakota and said to her, Hey, She'd been my mentor since I was 18. And I said, if, if I save up enough money to pay your salary for one year, would you take a risk, leave your job and come work for me? Because I knew that with her by my side, we could do diagnostics, we could grow, we could be in multi-states. And she was like, sure. But I did sell her on the whole vision of it's access to care, right? We have an opportunity to provide services to kids that don't have an opportunity to get this. And we're not just going to grow the business. We're going to change the landscape, right? We're going to change how it's delivered, who's paying for it, how families can afford it. You want to, you know, do this with me or not? She was like, sure. And I think she agreed because she didn't think I could save up that money. <laughs> I did, right? I lived on, you know, mac and cheese and ramen noodles and, and what three-year-old doesn't love mac and cheese and ramen noodles and hot dogs? He was fine. And so I saved every penny we made and I was able to show her that in the bank account and say, listen, I've got enough. If I pay nobody but you for one year, right, we can do this. So she took a risk. Um, three months later, we went back and got the clinician who had actually taken my spot at the state. And they came over. And I think it felt good to do what we were doing. And we were, we were making things right for the clients and for their families. We were giving opportunities to people who would have had to pick up their homes and move out of state to get the service. And so we were a local answer. That's, that's, uh, you know, when you hear books about starting with why Simon Simic, for example, uh, you know, that what you're describing right now, the whole reason why you're able to eat ramen and mac and cheese and hot dogs for that length of time to get somebody to come over and leave their secure job to take a gamble on your risk. It's because of how powerful that why statement was for you guys. You know, when you saw the need was developing a statement like that or developing the mission like that part of your priority one? Because, you, you you know, the way you're telling the story, it's like I knew I had to get a team. And how do I sell this to somebody else? Yeah. You know, what's funny. I think th that business adventure and the one I'm in today, I didn't have to come up with that statement. Like I knew what needed to be done and, and 
if we could solve that problem, right, in our state, we could be those providers. I was so passionate about it, partly because, you know, starting when I was 18, I was an in-home service provider. I watched families fight for that service. I watched them scrimp and save their money to, to be able to afford to fly somebody in from out of state to do these services. And so um, the why was was so part of who we were. I didn't even think about it being like, this is our mission. This is what we're doing. It was just like, we have to do this. It's the right thing. Uh, when I started this business and consulting, I'd spent over a year and a half. I looked at over 300 businesses. They all had the same exact issue. And I was like, I have to help them, right? They are just five solutions away from having the success that they want. They're just three problems that are in front of them that we can help them solve because we can connect them to the right resource. And that will keep them you know, in control of their company from not having to do an exit by fire because they can't make it go, right? And so I think you know, whether it was that business or this, this business, the why has always been this like desire, like I want to do this and people get excited about it. Let's talk about the, the consulting now. So you, so you, you ended up selling that other company, right? You exited that company. Now you're going into consulting. You're, you're taking your experience from what you developed and what you saw successfully work. And now you're trying to find that in other companies. Um, when you're, when you're, become a consultant. Are you looking at a specific niche in, in, you know, something specific to what you were already doing or are you just business consulting in general? So most of my clients are in the service industry. So speech therapy, OT, PT, um, mental health, behavioral health, or autism and ABA services. And so now we've helped bar owners. We have helped landscapers. We have helped other businesses. Um, we helped a baker who was over in New York and making um, personalized dog treats. And so we've helped all kinds of other businesses because it comes down to the basics, right? Do you know your business? Do you know your KPIs? Are you driven? Have you developed a team? Can we help systemize things? All of that seems to be the same, no matter what industry we're in. However, in our industry, we, we are really well versed in things like billing and compliance and helping understand those things and helping teach your entire team how to run the business, but still uphold clinical quality. And so whether we wanted to or not, we were really, um, we've had a lot of traction in that space because we have a lot of results. So people are able to solve their problems and they're like, yeah, I, I hated going to work every day too as a business owner. And then we fixed these issues. Now it's pretty great and it makes money. So um, we've had a lot of really great like word of mouth and growth from, from that specifically. You mentioned that when you sit down and look at, you know, over 300 companies, they have a certain type of problem that's similar across the board. What are some of those things that you notice when you're looking at these companies that are you know, problematic? Maybe they see them, maybe they don't. One of the biggest problems we see is growth that is way too fast, right? People have not put in enough infrastructure to be able to handle the growth. And when you're in that growth, you're so focused on revenue. I did the same thing for, for decades. I would say, man, this year we're doing millions of dollars. And we, you know, we went from 2 million to 4 million to 5 million. That's really great. However, I wish somebody would have told me in the early stages, what's my profitability, right? Is my profit margin growing or is it shrinking? Even though I'm doing more revenue, um, what does that profit margin look like? And then the second part of that is, you know, learning to manage people in a way that they will follow you, right? Giving them the whole picture. I think a lot of business owners are very, uh, very private about their financial state and how much they've leveraged themselves or, you know, how volatile the, the market may be at one given time. And so I always tell business owners, you need to trust the team that you're building enough that they know what's going on. 
not to stress them out, right? Not because you want them to carry your burdens, but because you want them to help solve the problem. They should be valuable members of your team. You know, when when building a team, uh, one of the hardest things is to see them make mistakes, right? Uh, you know, one one thing uh, we've learned in in building a business is the the difference between micromanaging and allowing for your team to solve a problem and understanding that problems are going to come up, there's going to be mistakes and things are going to happen, but give your team the flexibility to solve the problem rather than coming in like a superhero, cape flying and everything, and being the one who puts out every single fire. Uh, talk to me a little bit about when you are working with the team, especially early on when you're developing some of these systems and processes in place. How can we set some of those things up so that we have a, a a good workspace where people feel comfortable contributing to the team and to the ideas and they're still accountable for mistakes, but it's okay to make them? You know, the first thing I ask businesses are or anybody that's employed is what is your job, right? What are you here to do? So then I, I have a clear identification of who's responsible for what, but we really focus on KPIs. So what are those key performance indicators that your business either makes or breaks or doesn't, you know, how do you know where you're headed? And so we use a scorecard or what we call an operations report. And we tell people that everything on this, no matter what business you're in, is going to tell you where to spend your time, where to spend your energy and your focus each week. So we don't wait till it's a month past and we're not looking at old data. So I think what we try to do is teach people to use the data that's inside their business to make that next decision. If the data is telling you something's not working, you don't just keep doing it over and over again. And if you do, I always ask the question of how long will you keep doing the same thing that creates the results you don't want? Because that's the question mm. usually people have to answer. And, and if it's six months, I'm like, well, then you're going to lose money for six months or you know, you're going to lose employees for six months because what you're doing today isn't working. So we try to identify the data that drives the business. So part of that comes from being a clinician by trade. Um, we use data to analyze behaviors like human behavior all day long. But your business is just like that, right? There's a reason something's not working. And so and the data will tell you whether or not you're producing the results you want to get. So you you mentioned that one of the one of the issues is when people are growing too fast, right? So okay, we're developing our team, we're we're taking a step back, we're developing our processes so that we have the ability to grow and scale uh, correctly. So once we get to that phase, once you've once you've identified it, what's the next what's the next type of problem that you see businesses have? So once they've put the infrastructure in place. Right. Then it's really knowing the business and it's knowing all facets. So are our, our, in our industry, it's knowing the clinical quality that's being delivered. And, you know, are your clients happy? Are they making gains? Are you producing outcomes? Then we look at the financial metrics and we say, you know, have you hired appropriately? Are your wages and your salaries in in line with the amount of revenue that you're creating? Um, in our industry, we do a lot of billing. So we spend a lot of time billing commercial healthcare, Medicaid's or things like that. And so who's managing that AR? And it wouldn't matter if it wasn't healthcare, right? Who's managing your AR and looking to see who's paying their bills? Are they paying them late? Are they paying them delayed? Um, and then we really look at the operations piece of things where we want clients to be able to identify what I had said a little bit earlier, which is whose job is it to do what and how do you know if they're doing their job well or not? And so we try to look at each area of the business and assess, you know, where are they successful and where are they not? And then we start problem solving that. Um, I will say that once somebody has put the infrastructure in, 
one of the first things that we look at that every business makes is they are hemorrhaging money somewhere, right? They're literally spending money. And so maybe it's using software that they don't maximize all of the, the abilities that the software has, or maybe they've overpaid people who don't produce and they just don't want to have that uncomfortable moment in fire. So once they've got infrastructure, we always look at where are you hemorrhaging money, right? Where are you just giving it away? Um, or what line of service isn't profitable. And then we start looking at each individual facet of the business. So those KPIs that you were talking about when you're looking at the, the individual facets of the business, are you separating between individual performance or are we using KPIs as a business, uh, the business as a whole or by a department? Yeah, so if you go to our website, uh, which is obokeconsulting.com, there's actually a free sample of it and we look at everything. So we have both, we have the company's performance and we have each individual staff's performance. So one of the things we look at is utilization and I don't care what business you're in, it doesn't matter if the people that you're paying to come to work aren't producing something, right? If they're not client facing, if they're not actually producing work, you're spending money and getting very little return on it. And so we have all of that on one dashboard and what we say to people is, if you're going to ask somebody to do something, they should have the whole picture, right? They should know where we're heading. They should understand the expenses and the revenue that the business is making. And, and you should feel comfortable sharing that information. So that's a little different, right? I mean, you talk to a lot of small business owners and they don't talk about, I mean, it's almost like families, right? You sit down at the dinner table and money is a, to a tobu topic. Like you don't bring that up in a business and a lot of small businesses, same thing. We don't talk about, the only time we talk about money is in you know, on Fridays when it's payroll, you got to pay out your employees, right? So we, but what you're saying here is, is completely opposite. It's you should be an open book. You should be able to see, you know, where your profitability is, maybe by department, maybe by uh, job costing or whatever it's going to be, right? So I always tell people profit money is not a dirty word, right? And, and if you can teach your staff that the more money that you make, the more the better the company does. That's where your pay raises come in. That's where your continuing education. That's where your increased benefits. That's where your growth and opportunities. That's where the, the structure comes in. And so once we can get our business owners to stop wanting to keep that super secretive, and, and I always say to people, I ran my business very transparently the entire time I owned it and never maybe maybe people said oh man she's hanging out in hawaii and, and she should be working but very rarely because we ran our business with integrity and the decisions we made were based on the data and the information in front of us and so i you know i think if you are a a good fair leader and you are consciously putting money and reinvesting back into your business you should not be ashamed that you're making a profit or you should not have to keep it a secret if you're not underpaying people, you're paying them market value. You know, you're using a portion of your your revenue to pour back into the company and make it better. Why wouldn't why wouldn't your team want you to grow and succeed? Mm, you're creating a positive culture there, right? And all of a sudden your team is invested because, you know, yes, it is you as the owner, it is your bottom line, it is your profit margin, but the whole team has bought in. The way you explained, you know, the very first venture you got into, Everybody was working towards that same concept. And even though you were the owner because you put the capital up, you took the risk up front, as the company grows, everybody's so excited about winning that you don't have to feel ashamed or bad about it. As a matter of fact, you're giving kudos to the team who actually did it because you didn't do it by yourself. Sound about right? 
It absolutely sounds right. And you know, it's whether we're looking at it and saying, here's a bonus opportunity for you. Here's how we're going to add to the pool next year of how we increase your pay. Here's the benefits we're going to add, right? Everything that I always tell them, everything that your team produces, it benefits them in some way, right? You're not taking all the profits off the business. You should be pouring something back into it and they should see that there's value in their hard work. So at what point should we be looking at this, right? I mean, you you spend a lot of time putting that money away so that you can bring on that first team member. When when there's there's a lot of people who, you know, maybe they are in the phase right now where they're eating Robin and macaroni and hot dogs and they're struggling and they're trying to grow their business and they maybe have an opportunity to grow, but you kind of mentioned right now growing too fast might be a problem. When should I be looking for some sort of consultation to to you know grow to have a business that I can look back and say actually like going to work every day. I enjoy doing this thing. So I don't know where that line is or what that start point is, but I will tell you when I had to restart this business, everybody was like, you've already been in business. What are you worried about? And I was like, payroll, like, I I had lots of money in the bank. Now I'm going to be paying people. So if my business doesn't produce all of a sudden, I've had people who like left their job, came to join this team. Um, And I started them on very small, very small paychecks and said, gosh, you know, you're part of this. If we grow, your your role grows. Um, And they really bought into the fact that we were going to build this new company. And we've done so, so well. This last year has been amazing. Um, But it was scary. It was scary to ask people to leave their jobs that were secure. They were probably getting paid more than I was paying them to jump ship and come over here. Um, For me, it got to be to the point where I was confident I was going to make this work. And I had enough money, again, to pay them. I wasn't smart enough to save up for an entire year. Um, so I, I did a couple things. I ensured I had some lending available if needed. Um, and I then just started to figure out if I don't hire these people, where's the ceiling? You know, How much can I really produce on my own? And I don't know if you're familiar with consulting, but consulting is different than a service agency. You can scale a service agency because multiple people go to work and produce mm-hmm. revenue for you all day long. When you're consulting, if you build a company that's based just on you and your expertise, you're pretty limited. And so I had to think about a, a different business model. Um, so maybe to answer your question is, I don't I don't really know what the right timeline is, but I know that, um, you know, I had to just take that leap of faith and and make it work. When I decided to create this line of service, I had to try to figure out how do you scale a consulting business, though? Um, because that's really hard. You're just one person. And so we have a little bit different twist on how we work with companies. I, from the get-go, after the first month, decided to build a team of partners who were better experts in other areas than I was. And as soon as we started rolling out that model, we were able to take on 30 clients pretty easily and serve them really well. Mm, Yeah. Again, back to the team. Now you, you, also mentioned that this last year has been a really good year. And, you know, when, when you, when you talk to entrepreneurs, I mean, we talk to a lot of different ones. Um, there, there are a few that have been struggling, but a lot of them have been thriving in this last year. Like, you know, we anticipated after COVID things were going to suck. Actually, there was going to be a, a, a downhill scenario and yet real estate market is hot. I mean, a lot of different businesses are booming. There's a lot of people starting their own stuff. Um, what do you think is, is attributing to that? Maybe in your own personal story, what do you, what do you think is, is making a difference and what, how do you think that's going to play out in the next couple of years? 
I, I think a couple of things happened in COVID. I think a lot of people realized that their their wealth, their future was held in somebody else's hands. And if that business couldn't make it, they were out of a job. They were out of income. So the risk were pretty low to go out on your own, right? You already almost didn't have a job or some people got laid off. And so they had to make it work. Um, for myself, I had been traveling, you know, probably five. I have six small children at home. My kids are ages two to 17. Um, I, I had been traveling, you know, six, seven days a week. I would get on an airplane. Um, COVID was the first time I had ever been grounded 90 straight days in a row without on, being mm. on an airplane. And I sat around and I thought, you know, I kind of like this. I had always been my own boss. And at that point I was answering to a corporate world and I thought, you know, why not? Right. Why not try this? And it, I know what I'm passionate about and I knew I could help these business owners. And so I started with one client we had really, really great success. They went from, you know, losing $40,000 a month to being profitable in 90 days hmm. to, you know, clearing this year with, you know, $600,000 in EBITDA and, and having a, a solid year. And so just even getting them profitable in 90 days reminded me that I knew this industry really well and I could help them. Uh, 90 days. Well done. Well, I don't have a very long attention span, so I have about 90 days to solve a problem. <laughs> I'm onto something else. I'm like, I'm no like a bird. <laughs> something shiny. So <laughs> um, I think COVID, I think COVID gave people, there was so much to be fearful of. You didn't even have time to be scared of failing at your business. Mm. Right? You were like, I hope I don't get COVID and die. Right. So I don't know. I just think people had a lot more confidence or they were in a situation like myself where I finally had enough time to slow down and really assess, like, am I happy doing this every day or would I be happier being back to being my own boss? Well, you're you're doing something that's that's fundamental, right? And I always believe that no matter what you do, it could be sports, it could be business, it could be relationships. When you work on the fundamentals, you're able to sustain, you're thriving in good times. And when times are tough, you're still making it through because those fundamentals are going to keep you going forward. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who you're right. They had to force it and they made it work and they're being successful right now during great times. What's your concern as the tide shifts? Because, you know, we don't go up forever. Eventually, these, these markets are going to change. What do you think is, is probably your biggest concern with some of these small businesses when, it, when, when the tides do change? You know, one of the things I think is important, as most entrepreneurs learn to do, is they learn to pivot quickly. So I think if, you know, as these new businesses have started, are they able to see around the corner and know what's coming? Um, so for example, in our industry, we saw that all these kids needed services, the healthcare plans changed, funding regulations had changed. And I called this six months ago. I said, Oh, funding is really easy right now. They're paying us well, right? We knew that six months from now, we didn't know when, but we knew soon those funders would be like, Oh my goodness, we spent a ton of money during COVID. Now we have to pull back and have all these regulations. And so I say to the business owners, you've got to be able to think about, However, your business is growing, how is it impacting your families? How is it impacting your funders? And then think about what their reaction is going to be. So even if you weren't in the healthcare industry, you know, if somebody is, if you were in the mask industry, right, people were selling mm -hmm. those like hotcakes. And so what's it going to look like? And where does the shift to when those are no longer a hot commodity and people aren't paying 20 bucks for a paper mask or whatever it was in that industry? Um so I think as these businesses started in this time frame, they need to think six months out from now, 
who is paying for that service and what's going to change in their life um, or who's needing that service, right? And what's going to change for them in the near future and how's that going to change or impact their business? Mm, powerful. A little bit of forecasting. And six months isn't a long time. And it's just playing the what if game, right? Essentially, right. what if this happens? What if this happens? So that you have contingency plans in place. Allison, so much information in just a jam-packed 30 minute show. Uh, and I know that there's going to be people who are interested in hearing more about what you do because they're in a situation where they're like, yeah, um, it's about time that I really sit back and start enjoying my life rather than working 80 hours a week in this thing that I call my business. Uh, so if people want to work with you, get a hold of you, how can they do that? So there is a, you can easily log on and put in www.obokeconsulting60.com. It'll take you to my calendar. You can plug it in. You can jump on for a free call with myself or anybody on our team. Um, so if you only have 30 minutes, you can go to obokeconsulting30.com and it'll do the same thing. And just pick a slot on the calendar that is a time that works for you and we can walk through and identify what are the main areas of your business that you need to focus on and how can we help. Uh, my other advice would be if you do not have a budget today, if you are not using KPIs to run your business, you know, those are the two things that are critical. So you need to be able to plan ahead and know your finances. And even if it's the simplest budget, right, you should know what money's coming in, where it's spending and how long you have to ride that out. So get yourself a budget. That's also a template you can get on our website as well. So free stuff, ladies and gents. I don't know about you guys, but Whenever I want to work with somebody, I love the free consultation because you're going to sit down and realize, look, we jive or we don't, right? But it's only going to happen if you sit down and have that conversation. And if you're in a position where you're ready to go to that next level, where you're tired of doing everything by yourself, you're wearing so many hats or you're uh, pulling all your hair out, whatever the situation may be, just stop by. Go to oboconsulting.com, set up an appointment. You can go to, I think you said oboconsulting. 60 or oboconsulting30.com. Set up the appointment, have a conversation, get things started. And for God's sake, start doing some KPIs. I'm so glad James got it done on our company because he set those up and they, they're they the difference maker. I'm telling you, especially if you have employees, it's going to change your entire life because now you're looking at them and being like, okay, well, you didn't do what you said you were going to do this week. How can we change that? How can we help? Uh, all right, last little thing, Allison. Um, you know, we are big on the testimonial business. So I'm going to ask you, I don't know how many podcasts you've been on, uh, how many of these things you do. What was your experience like on the Business Bros podcast? I love this. I love the energy. I had, this was so easy. I was very nervous. Uh, I haven't done a lot of podcasts, but I will tell you, I could probably talk to you guys all day long. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm glad we set the bar. Now, when you go yeah. on the other shows, you're going to be like, oh, man, it wasn't like that. You are so <laughs> much more fun than anybody else. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, Allison, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us so much valuable information because honestly, honestly, that's exactly the type of stuff that uh, that young entrepreneurs need to uh, understand and, and get a hold of. And I, when I say young entrepreneurs, I'm not talking about 20. I'm just talking about you're fresh in the business. You can be you know, 50, 60 years old. First time you're getting a, into a venture yourself. It's good to know people who have already been there and done that. Learn from their experiences. You don't have to step in the same hole that everybody else does. Ask for help. We're all here to help everybody. It, I mean, this is a team sport. 
The NFL starts tonight. If you're going to sit down and watch the Cowboys play, right, you're going to notice that none of them do it by themselves. And it's the same way in business. You cannot grow by yourself. You can have some success and you can have some comfort, but it is short-lived. You will burn out. You will get tired. It won't be the best thing in the world. I always, I always say, Austin, like you can start by swinging the hammer, but if 20 years down the line, you're still swinging the hammer, you're doing something wrong. You agree? Got it. Totally. I agree to that all the time. All right. So one more time, ladies and gents, oboconsulting30.com or oboconsulting60.com. Set up an appointment, get that conversation started and take your business to the next level. All right, ladies and gents, as always, this lady was on fire. So we're going to bring that back a little bit as we say goodbye. We'll see you again tomorrow. Peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.